Hello to everybody who likes corn and ray guns. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one I think it'll be more fun And I'll get to know you And you'll get to know me Hi everybody, my name is Chris Gethard This is Beautiful Anonymous Thank you so much for listening I feel so lucky that I get to do this And I thank you for being a big part of it I mean it sincerely Thanks to everybody who enjoyed last week's episode now, during the course of that episode, uh, we had a lot of fun talking about marching band, what I played a marching band, what the caller played a marching band. And for all the things we brought up on that call, marching band got the most reaction. And you'll be happy to hear, um, I finally went on the Facebook group. So many people in the episode that were reacting to the marching band part. I just said, I've got a feeling a lot of former marching band people might listen to this show. What instrument did you play? And within two hours, we had 135 responses, and that is growing by the minute. It went up earlier today, and there's a lot of funny responses, and some people listing their instruments, and some people talking about how they thought the marching band kids were big geeks. And it's a fun community over there. Thanks to everybody who's joined up at the Facebook group. Um, You're listening to this on Tuesday, and if you are... Guess what? If you're anywhere near Woodstock, New York, I'm doing a live Beautiful Anonymous taping and a stand-up gig at The Colony in Woodstock. That's on the 12th. That's Friday, the week this comes out. Thanks to everybody who came out to Rochester on Saturday. And I got a whole bunch of new dates up there. ChrisGeth.com. You're not going to want to miss that. I got a bunch of dates coming up all next year. New ones announced in, in Florida, three different cities, Ann Arbor and Grand Rapids and in Michigan, uh, another one in Jersey, New Haven, Cambridge, San Diego, San Pedro, Seattle, Portland. A lot of great places that I get to go. So chrisgeth.com if you want info on that. Now, this week's call, you know, every once in a while you meet somebody who really does stuff that is selfless, really does stuff with the pure goal of helping others, and really does stuff that puts their own well-being on the line. We've got a crisis hotline worker. This is a, a licensed therapist talking about what it's like to help shepherd somebody through crisis. And I know on my end, I'm somebody who's been in crisis at points. So I really appreciate people um, who put themselves out there in this way. And we talk a lot about the overlap in our jobs and we get all sorts of diversions revolving having kids and just talk of poopy in here and, and puke. You know, like that. And uh, talk about boundaries too. And a lot of other stuff, a lot of other ways that we figure out how to get through the days. Anyway, I'm always blown away by callers who do stuff dedicated to the service of others. Find it very inspiring. This call is one of them. Enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. Hi. Hi, sorry, this was a little weird. I did not know how this was going to start. Yeah, because we should be clear. I, I believe you left a voicemail, and uh, everybody who listens knows I don't know anything about the voicemails, but that means you just kind of sit on the line until I just drop it. I'm like, hey, hi. Oh, okay. Hi. It's how's... a little bit choppy. Is that my phone? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, on our end, it sounds pretty clear. Okay. I think, I mean, I can hear you more or less, so I guess that's okay. Okay. 
Well, if it becomes untenable, just let me know and we'll, we'll do it again some other time. Oh, no, that's okay. I, I talk to people on the phone all day long, so I get used to kind of working through that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah. It's, uh, kind of insane how we've had, we've been forced to be even more addicted to our phones and computers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, before the pandemic, I was doing a lot of work over the phone too, but it, so I didn't have to change too much when everything got really terrible. Um, but a lot of people did. So yeah. Um, I work in the mental health field. I'm actually a therapist and I do a lot of, well, all telephonic sessions at this point. Um, and it's kind of fun because I, in the role that I'm in, I have no idea who I'm going to talk to every single day. And it's always something new. Well, that's fascinating. And let me, let me go ahead, first of all, and just say thank you because I've been on the other side of the fence. So I know that people who work in mental health really, uh, I have to, you do a lot of good for the world and I thank you for it. And I, I imagine that it can kind of wear you down pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it, it can, and it's also worth it. And I've been on both sides of it myself. So I think that's one of the things, um, that helps me to stay motivated, especially in this past year. And a lot of people I work with too, like my colleagues as well. I think a good amount of us have been on both sides of the chair. (laughs) I hear you. I've heard that. I've heard that quite often. If you knew more about Mm -hmm. your, your psychiatric professional in your life that, because you know, the, the general ethical standard is that you don't know too much about that person, but that if you did, you'd be shocked that they've been through a lot of the same stuff. Although my my doctor, I know an insane amount about her personal life, but that's, I, I, yeah. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think when you've been in a, like a longer term relationship with a therapist, sometimes you do get those moments where or those relationships where they disclose more and you kind of get that rapport with somebody um, in the role I'm in. I, I don't do the ongoing counseling. I'm in more of like a crisis assessment, telephonic support, and then help people get to the next level that they need to get to. So I don't know them at all. <laughs> they don't know me at all. And so it's, it's a little bit different from some of the work I used to do before, but it's, it's been really, really cool. So you're, I mean, that's a critical position and also I imagine really tough one. Cause it sounds like if you're in like the crisis portion and then you're kind of passing people on, this must mean you're dealing with people who have suffered some sort of break or who feel like, okay, it's gone past the yeah. tipping point and I am not able to function anymore. And that's one of the scariest and yeah. saddest states to see people in, I think. Yeah. A lot of times when people come in, they are in like literally the worst points of their lives. Um, and, and so it can be really hard and, and there are also people who call in who are not and, you know, are just looking for more of the, just the more general type of support. But yeah, we, we talk to people going through some heartbreaking things. And so it, it can be really challenging 
And it also, I think for me, is important that I do this type of work um, because I don't want anybody to like ever call when they're in that type of scenario or that type of state and not be met with like somebody non-judgmental or uh, not be met with like that openness and acceptance and, and just somebody who's going to help and listen and figure out the next steps. Sadly, I've heard people who have had not great experiences with mental health providers before. And so if those of us who are like that first voice um, that they talk to, if we are the ones who are open and accepting, I think that's just the most important thing, getting it off on the right foot. Yeah. Making somebody feel like they're in safe hands, even when the world doesn't make sense. Yep. Yep. Which isn't always easy when the world doesn't make sense to me. It's it's just really undeniable that in the past couple of years, things are unmoored. Like our reality is not Uh the same as it was 18 months ago. And it's gone in so many different directions, right? Uh, A a plague has descended upon us. At least for Americans, our politics have shattered in a way where it has felt irreparable at times and where we're actually scared Mm -hmm. about the downfall of democracy and people on all extremes. And then, you know, massive social unrest um, Mm -hmm. and then backlash related to it. So I have to imagine people, it's hard to go, hey, um, take a deep breath and think about how, you know, the reality of your world is okay. And then people go, oh, well, have you read the news literally at any point in the, mm-hmm. past, in the past year? Have you read it? Yep, exactly. <laughs> I know in my experience too, like, especially when I would be in my, cause look, like I'm a reasonably smart person. Like I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy. <laughs> I can say that I've got the glasses to prove it. And especially when I would go into <laughs> manic states, it was really, really hard because it's like I'd be in these manic states where I would, I would not be rooted in reality. And I think Mm -hmm. that at least in my, I can't speak for everybody, but that would be a thing, but I'm also a very smart guy and like, you're not going to out logic me, you know? So if I'm completely convinced (laughs) of something, I once had an incident where, and I don't want to make it too much about me, but obviously this is a topic I have a lot to say about, but I once had an incident where two friends of mine visited me at my house and my behavior was so concerning that my one of my really good friends in the world, my friend Bethany, was about to call an ambulance to come get me because mm-hmm. I was so convinced that my career was over. And she's going, no, it's not. You've had mm-hmm. this thing and that thing happened. And I'm going, nope, but this thing died out in that way. And once that door closes, it leads to X, Y, and Z. And I've seen it happen to this person and that person. And like, I'm citing all these real examples of stuff that I know, but just twisting them to fit my worldview at the time. Really hard, really mm-hmm. hard, I imagine, to talk to people. And it sounds like you're at like a, a hotline more than like an intake area. That is that true? Of. Yeah, I mean, I work for a pretty big organization, so it's kind of that type. Um, we have aspects that are like a hotline, and then we have more um, referral to other types of services as well. So, yeah, it has both types of parts of it. I'm trying not to like give away too many details about where I work. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. 
but it's a pretty comprehensive, yeah. like gives people a lot of yeah. angles to find a comfortable way into getting some help. Yeah, it does. And I think it, it has been interesting. I mean, not just this year, but especially this year, because I think for me, this is maybe the first time that it's not just something that's affecting the clients, but it's also affecting us and me and like my colleagues. And so we're all like going through the trauma of the world together, which is, is intense and different. And I mean, I try to be positive that it helps us to help people because we are in this too. Um, but it is hard too. And I don't want to be too much of a downer, but it, it's, it's a crazy year. <laughs> it's not a downer. It's just a reality. And and I'll, I'll tell you, I almost have a selfish question here because you probably have actual training in what I'm about to ask. Because look, it's like one of the big cliches about beautiful and honest. People always go, oh, I get free therapy when I call. And and I learned early. <laughs> I think you've probably heard my, I've said it a million times on the show. My, I call her my shrink. I know some doctors don't like it. She doesn't mind. My shrink was like, you are not a therapist. You cannot just be giving out right. advice to people. Hear them out. Hear their stories. But don't sit here and try to solve people's problems. It's not what you do. It can be really detrimental. So I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that I do share probably, I think one thing that you and I share and that not many people do is how do you go about the rest of your day when you have heard about human suffering that mm-hmm. that cuts deep and and a companion question is not you know how do you mm-hmm. get through the other 23 hours of that day but also how oh this one this question's actually making me sad how do you maintain the sense of humanity that made you an open person in the first place like how does that scar tissue not build up because sometimes I feel a little bad, I got to say, because I've heard so yeah. much dark stuff now that I go, two or three years ago, this would have made me so sad. And now it's making me sad, but it's not mm-hmm. crushing me. And it makes me feel like a worse person. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. It's a, a constant process, I think, every day. And I feel like that's a therapist cliche to say that it's a process, <laughs> but it. I think every day is a little bit different in how I try to do that. Um, Some days are easier than others. Some days are harder. And I think, at least for me, it's been about figuring out my triggers, what hurts the deepest for me as a person and trying to take care of myself. Um, I'm very lucky that the place I work is very, very supportive. So if we have to take like some time in between sessions with people to like go outside and catch your breath or something like that, you can. But that's still, I mean, I'm not naive. There are people that I think about once I get to the end of the day and I'm laying in bed and it's just, it's heartbreaking. Um, For me right now in my life, just because I'm a mom of a toddler, anything regarding kids is like absolutely heartbreaking and you and me both I I think yeah and I I've purposely not listened to I think you have a call or on your podcast a recent one about loss of a child and I'm just I'm not 
going to listen to it right now. I think it's about setting boundaries with myself, like for how I can sort of stay sane and try to heal and protect myself too. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm with you. That, that was one and much love to the caller. I'm, I think that story was worth getting out into the world and has done a lot of good for people. And I've seen the reaction and the empathy. Uh, I sat around for, I sat around for probably a solid week, clearly off my game. Um, a little depressed and my wife's going, what, what's going on? I go, well, there's this call, uh, and it's in my head and I'm glad we did it. And it was really beautiful, but I don't think you should ever listen to it. And I'm going to hang on to it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think with, with things like that, I mean, of course, if I have somebody who I'm talking to, I'm not just going to say, oops, sorry, and hang up. <laughs> right. But it's about in those moments, like while I'm talking to somebody, I'm also trying to take deep breaths. Thank God they cannot see me <laughs> sometimes. Um, taking deep breaths, trying to just look after myself, remind myself that this story is separate from me and my life. Um, if that makes any sense and just trying to have like that personal boundary too. Um, because it, it is hard. It just kind of, it, some of the stuff just shakes you a lot. Yeah. And then I feel like it, it, at least in my case, and, and again, you do this all day, every day, your whole life. Like I'm not, I'm not comparing myself. You are a hero trying to help people. I am an entertainer and I need to draw that line. Um, but I do know the feeling you're speaking of and, and, and it's like your defense mechanisms go off and you have to, you have to just kind of choose to go. I can't, I can't be affected Mm -hmm. by human tragedy every day because then I can't even get out of bed. So I have to learn how to, how to, build up a little bit of a, I don't want to say a wall because you still let people in, but you give, you give a little bit of yourself away with each of these things. I feel like you give a little bit of yourself away and it's for the service of others and it's beautiful, but you give a little bit of yourself away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. I think I've noticed, (laughs) well, I, I mean, I'm just a person. (laughs) We're all doing hard work for people. Um, but I think I've noticed for me, like when I feel like that wall is really hard to push through, like leads into my personal life. If I feel like, oh, I'm not emotionally present anymore with my child or with my spouse, or, you know, if I feel that shut down, that's when I know, okay, maybe I need to take a vacation (laughs) or maybe I need to call up my therapist and get back into some sessions and, you know, figure out what I need to just like give myself a little bit of space because especially like after this year and and other years too, trauma happens all the time. Um, It accumulates. And so even like at, at my workplace, we've been doing a lot trying to get like counseling for the counselors and debriefing for the people who do the work because we, you know, if you're going to do the job, it does. It, it eats away at you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But then the nice perks of 
you know, also being a parent is when I'm on my breaks, nothing gets me out of that negative mode more than like opening my office door because I work at home and seeing my daughter who's three running around in like a million different costumes and (laughs) going crazy. So that helps too. (laughs) Yeah. That is kind of the best, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When my son's just acting like a little doofus and laughing wait did you mention you say <laughs> mm-hmm. you say your daughter's three yeah she just yeah my yep. guy's about to turn two and he's getting he's like uh <laughs> he's he's smart as a whip i'm picking up on he hears everything and he plays these weird <laughs> games yeah. like his uh he loves offering me food and then taking it away and eating making direct eye contact with me while he eats it himself. And then I ask, I go, are you faking me out? And then he cackles because he knows he's being a dick basically. And then his new one, his yep. new one that I love, but I think it's starting to drive his mom insane is he loves to ask me for mac and cheese knowing that I'm going to go, ah, no. And then he'll do it 80, 85 times in a row. And I think it's starting to make her lose her mind. Uh-huh. Mac and cheese. I'm like, eh, no. And he cracks up. And then we do it 85 times. <laughs> oh my God. I, between two and three, the sassiness and the, the attitude, but it's cute. Like it, it's funny attitude. Yeah. It's just been insane. Now where's the three-year-old at? What, what's, what's the funny thing that makes you laugh? and makes you forget your problems a little bit. Oh my God, she, lately, and I don't know why, but her favorite word is butt crack. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't even know if she like <laughs> totally understands what it is, uh-huh. but she'll just go, my butt crack, my butt crack. And she was yelling butt crack while my spouse was on a Zoom call for work and things like that. Let's pause there. And let's just note the victory in getting from there, from from where we were to where we are, right? It's that's real life. That's what this show is. We start by talking about the grim reality of being a mental health worker, and we're talking about butt cracks. We'll be right back. Thank you to our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. She was yelling butt crack while my spouse was on a Zoom call and things like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> you make us stay grounded, for sure. I have a weird um, one. She, oh, no, go oh, for go it. go ahead. No, no, no. Finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say, she's she's super into, like, licking me, which is horrible in a pandemic. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're going to lick somebody, I guess lick me. <laughs> <laughs> I had a weird experience, and you tell me if this is weird or not. So his thing is, okay. he, do, he doesn't know, know how to say, may I have it, or could I please have that? He just goes, have it, have it. So he'll see mm-hmm. like his milk cup, milk cup, have it, milk cup, have it. Green car, have it, green car, have it. Garbage truck, have it. All his toys, he asks for it. Have it, have it, have it. So he's of an age where usually I'll just give him a bath, but like if I haven't showered that day, Sometimes I'll just jump in the bath with them. And I think that's okay with mm-hmm. a two-year-old, right? I don't think any, I, I think that's yeah. in bounds. And he is getting very interested in his own body. And 
he did reach out and try to grab me at one point. I caught his hand. I said, no, buddy, that's a private area. You don't grab uh-huh. that. And then the rest of the bath, I got out very quickly because for the next five minutes, he just kept going, penis, have it. Daddy, penis, have it. Daddy, penis, have it. I'm like, you can't have daddy's penis. This is this feels yeah. very inappropriate now. So I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, I gotta, I'm going to get off. to like daycare and says it. Uh, well, that's the other thing. I don't know if you, I don't know if you have an only child, but I'm like, I'm starting to realize, because I had a brother, I'm starting to realize, oh, this is why the only children, and when I went to school with only children, well, I'm not judging, but like some weird things where you go, oh yeah, my kid doesn't have anybody to just kind of like push him into a wall and be like, stop trying to grab my yep. dick, <laughs> you know, like- he doesn't, he doesn't have that lesson until it's kind of out in public, huh? Okay, here's what it's like to raise yep. an only child. Yeah, yeah, that's she's our only one at this point, and yeah, <laughs> it's very strange. And I just keep telling myself, please, please, she won't say anything weird at daycare. They'll understand. They know she's a kid. Well, I'm sure but they've heard it all. I'm sure they've heard yeah. it all. But yeah, as long as you yeah. don't get like child services called on you. Oh I guess he's going to walk out and go, daddy's penis. I had it. Daddy's penis. Right. He's going to say that to <laughs> one of our neighbors. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I go, what? What? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's hard too, because you want to like nowadays, everybody says teach them the real words for your body parts and things like that and then and then it's just so funny too because I also have a sense of humor of like a 12 year old and when I hear her talking about everything I just laugh and oh. that's probably not the right response but it, <laughs> oh, I well. love it I love that you and I it started with us talking about like uh like how our professions lead to some similar issues of like shared pain with the world. And now we have the shared Uh experience. Like you'll like this one about four months ago, he learned a new word and I've now learned that, (laughs) you know, cause look, when they're a baby, you can do gross stuff around them. And it's like, Uh you're working so hard. So now though, every time I let one loose, I just hear this little voice, daddy fart. Daddy fart. I'm like, oh, okay. Guess I just learned that the days of me liberally farting in front of you, those days are done. Because I can't, right? Like yep. you said, can't go to daycare. He's going to be like, teacher, fart. Teacher, fart. Like, oh, God. Okay. Well, for us, I mean, she is really a mama's girl. And I can't even go, like, I, she'll come in and try to sit on my lap while I go to the bathroom. So, like, I can't really set a limit when she's opening the door, and now she knows how to open doors and comes and tries to sit on my lap. Well, I don't <laughs> like, want to be. I don't even know what my life is anymore. <laughs> it's it's too much, and and I don't want to be cliche, um, because I'm sure it's not like this in every case, and I think this is the popular dialogue. But I know it sounds like in your case and in our case, it is true. There is a mama attachment that is in. Tense. There are some things that he needs in life that I cannot solve. And there are times mm-hmm. where my wife is just going, like, please, I'm like, like, she'll be uh-huh. like trying to do like yoga in the other room and I'll be playing with him and he will literally 
push past me and bull charge at her and jump on her while she's trying to do yoga where I'm like, dude, we yeah. can just we play with your trucks. <laughs> oh my God. And she's just like, dude, I'm trying, uh-huh. I'm trying to do this to help heal my back, which is in constant pain because I've had to pick <laughs> your little ass up every day, 11 times a day for two straight years. Stop jumping on my uh-huh. back. And now they're, they're bigger too. <laughs> oh, never ends. Do you ever have that? Yeah. Sometimes I just look at them where I'm like, where I'm like, you look fatter than you were this morning, dude. Yes. Or they'll, they'll like grow an inch overnight. It's insane. It is. Sometimes we go look at them, so yeah. much clothing. <laughs> I'm like, your cheeks were not this fat at breakfast. Now we're at dinner and I know. you look chunky. I yeah. know. I know. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And yeah, she she is very much my little buddy. No matter what, which is which is lovely, but also exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Now, now potty training. Yeah. Are you potty trained? We yes, we started that How when everything that? shut down <laughs> because we literally were going anywhere last April after she was like just turned two, and so we thought, well, if we're not going anywhere, we might as well get it over with. Um, it was. It was really disgusting. We bought we bought a new carpet since. Um, she, she's good. She does a good job for for a three year old. But it's hard. There were times where, especially the first week, we did. Everybody's a little different, but we just went with like, okay, she's just going to be naked for like three days, and we'll put potties in every room and hope for the best. And oh, you oh had multiple were, potties. Yeah. The little ones, we keep one in the car. You got to carry one in the car. Um, oh. I've had to pull over and let her go potty, like in a weird motel parking lot on the side of the highway. But it's better than having to clean a car seat. We got to get more potties. We've just started letting them run around naked. And yep. I'll, I'll say to him, Cal, if you have to do pee pee or poo poo, where are you going to go? potty i'm like okay then one of the first times we did this i'll never forget we have a little day bed in our living room and i saw him leaning against it with the exact posture like you know when someone's like run a marathon and then you see them get up to a wall Uh and they kind of put one arm on the wall and they're like it's kind of their head is collapsed on their arm i'm watching Uh him do that and i'm like what is this about and then i just see one of the gnarliest poops he's ever done just, yep. just land on the floor. I was like, oh God. And then but here's where my son is like a little shit kicker. And I don't I, I just said that I didn't mean that as like uh I, I honestly didn't realize I was tying that into a shit story. So then the next night I go, Cal, if you have to pee or poop, where are you gonna do it? And the little the little jerk he just grins at me and goes, floor. I was like, you got to be kidding me like right now. Evil. Oh my God. I love my to... daughter so much, but yeah, it's like they're evil. There was evil <laughs> in his eyes at that point. There was evil in his eyes. Cause it was like, he was om- that grin. It almost was like, he knew like, yeah, yesterday I said yeah. potty. Yesterday I said potty idiot. Cause I knew that's what you wanted to hear. But the cat's out of the bag. I like going on the floor. Like that was the grin. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. They know. I, and now the hardest part is the like the battle of wills because she we know she knows how to do it. She can do it. Yeah. We know her signs like she's dancing around the room, can't hold still, but swears up and down. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And it drives me crazy because <laughs> I know that's going to end up being pee on the floor that I have to clean up again. But yeah. and, we, and, what it and is. but it's also like even you saying that I'm like oh pee nice I'll take it. Yeah, right. I'll take that's pee. At least an easy cleanup. <laughs> I'll take pee. Yeah, I cannot. Luckily, I love it. I love the direction this guy. I love that it started with like the super dark <laughs> pain and pathos. And now it's just like, I can't wait for the day when I don't have feces somewhere on my hands. I, know. I can't wait for oh that day. Oh my God. Day. Right. Or like not on my clothes. Like, thank God I don't see people anymore because of pandemic because I'm disgusting. <laughs> I am actually foul. There have been times where I've gone out in public, in yeah. public and interacted with multiple people over hours and then look down yep. and realize that I will have either feces or vomit visible on my clothes. Yes. Yes. I remember I, I wasn't working at home when I first had her. And right after maternity leave, I remember going back to work, like totally exhausted and not knowing where I was or what I was doing and getting through half my day. And there was pink all over my arm and nobody told me, <laughs> at least give me a heads up. That's the worst part. You're making me. You're making me feel like I just like schlepped out of the ooze, and I'm not worth you helping to to re- restore my dignity. <laughs> Walk around with yeah. vomit, poop on my yeah. shirt. Uh, yeah. Well, I I know. Growing up, uh, my mom was a preschool teacher, and so she we always would give her a hard time because she was like she wouldn't buy new clothes. She was always covered in crap boogers whatever and now i'm just like oh my god i i totally get it i'm i'm just disgusting every day and i don't care anita just typed into our chat doc do you both hold your breath around all this poop and puke do you dry heave and the answer is no (laughs) no it's like you live it's like you live on a farm but the farm is inside your house and you just yeah. get used to it. Oh, not anymore. Yep. The worst day was, oh my gosh, I forget how old my daughter was. She had to be like six or seven months old, maybe younger. And she had an accident everywhere, like a blowout. And then our dog puked everywhere. And it was just like, that's just how my life is, I think, every day now. Did your dog puke because of the child's blowout? Like the dog no, saw the severity of the blowout was like, if she could, but no, <laughs> no, it was just luck of the draw that day, I guess. You want to, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you laugh and that's going to make a lot of people with kids laugh. And then a lot of people without kids turn this episode off outright. You ready? <laughs> yes. One of the lessons I will never forget learning is when I changed my son's diaper and realized that the day before I made the mistake, I'll never mistake again, of feeding him both raisins and corn. Oh no, oh no, yeah, gross. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're just gonna have basically a salad. (laughs) With a dressing that no one wants. 
with a dressing <laughs> no one wants. Just a thin it's so film. Awful. Just a thin little pool of watery poop with mm-hmm. raisins and corn in it. Ooh, I was yep. just like, what did I do? And he loves yep. raisins. He calls them ray guns. He can't really say the S of them. Ray, ray guns. Ray guns. Ray guns. I'm like, stop yeah, saying fun. ray guns at me. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's not for the faint of heart. Oh, no. At all. But oh, no, no way. It is what it is. I love it. I love that we can laugh, right? Because that's the ultimate <laughs> message. I'm like, I'm sitting here going, how do you get through the day? How do you let the pain go? How do you forget this stuff? And the I'm answer sometimes. Just let my child poop on me. That's how. <laughs> sometimes you just share a gross poop story yeah. with someone else who's been through it, God damn it. And yeah. then you giggle a little uh-huh. bit. And it means that you can take yep. another call from someone who's like tragically slipping into a, a sad and scary state. Yeah. Yep. You got to keep it light somehow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how, that's how I keep myself clean. <laughs> now, I want to go back to one of the harder questions. Again, born out of selfish reasons. I'm not sure. How long have you been working your job? Let me think. So I've been a therapist specifically for seven, eight years now. In this job specifically, about three years. Okay. Because here's something that I bet must be a little sad considering the state Mm -hmm. of the past year. Are you getting a lot of people who are calling with the sentiment of like, I thought I was past this. I had my shit together. I can't believe yep. the bottom's falling out again. Cause that happened to me. That's happened to me. I had a bag packed. I had a bag packed. I was going to head to old Greystone hospital and I am doing great. I'm doing great. I have so little to worry about in my life. And then during this pandemic, it hit a point where I, luckily my therapist was able to jump on the phone on like a minute's notice. She wasn't like, playing tennis at the time or something. I had a backpack and I'm sitting there. And the shame of that was was really hard because I'm not going to say that I was like as freaked out or as unmoored as I used to be. But that moment yeah. of thinking, I, I never ever thought that I'd be considering heading to a mental hospital again. I thought I was past this shit. Fuck. That's got to be hard yeah. to hear that from people right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it it has been something that does happen a lot. And half the time, I think my conversations are mostly about like trying to reduce the shame around that, because how could people not struggle this past year? You know, even, even if you feel like you're, you're doing great. And then all of a sudden the news is showing all these awful things everywhere. People are dying. There's civil unrest all over the place. And and all the ways that maybe we normally would cope, we can't really do. So it's really hard. And I mean, I've seen just anecdotally, I don't have any statistics, but a lot of people relapsing, a lot of people um, struggling with keeping up with appointments because just for whatever reason, telehealth is not what they need. You know, it's good for some people, but some people need that in person. And so it's 
Like, how could you not struggle if you you're like this? Yeah. I hated that feeling too, because I realized I've been such a public person about like, nope, there's no shame in this. And I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to settle for the conversation that like my starting point when I started talking about mental health was I'm not ashamed. And yeah, back, back in 2016, that felt like a big deal to people. I, I don't think it would feel like as big a deal now. And that's a good thing. But I was very disappointed in myself because when I hit that point earlier, you know, not earlier this year, but but last year in the fall, I remember feeling like, ah, like, like, ah, like I, I remember feeling a new kind of shame, which was the sliding backwards yeah. of like, ah, I was past this, man. I was past this. I was mm-hmm. past this. I had to call yeah. my parents up. Hey, say, hey, I think I might need to go to a hospital and I just want to be up front and let you know. Don't worry, I'm on mm-hmm. it. Having to make that call again at the age of 40, I felt so ashamed. I felt so ashamed. And I also think, though, too, that making that decision and having that awareness of when you need to do something different is progress as well. That like any type of chronic issue that we struggle with, whether it's medical or emotional or, you know, whatever, sometimes things flare up. And there was a lot that happened over the past couple of years. So I think it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong by needing to reach out or that you failed in any way. It's more that sometimes knowing when you need help is growth and progress. I feel like that's a beautiful point to end on and hopefully one that everybody in a similar position to what we're talking about can take a breath and remember right now. Sometimes knowing that you need help is growth and progress. I hope that they offer some comfort to people out there. We'll be right back. Okay, everybody, the breaks are over. That is it. We will be finishing the phone call now. Enjoy it. Sometimes knowing when you need help is growth and progress. and. You know, it's not just a straight line where you get over something and it's gone forever from your life. And I agree with that and I appreciate that. But I also just realized this is the first time in the call where right now you must be in your head going, I'm off the clock, motherfucker. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm off the goddamn clock right now. I could be playing with my daughter and now I'm here giving you the speech that I give some version of when I'm at work. Let me be off the no, clock. Let's talk about poop again, man. <laughs> no, but I'm with you. I just don't want well, you to have to I fall into that mode. No, I say it too because I have to tell myself that. Um, because yeah. I've struggled with a lot of different things in my life and, and gone through therapy for on and off for like, oh, God, at this point, 11, 12 years. I don't even remember. Um, for me, I mean, this year has been challenging for a variety of reasons. And so it's something that I have to tell myself because I still will beat myself up if I have a bad day or if I have a day where some of like the quote unquote old demons start acting up again. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard. Like it's easy enough to say it to somebody else, but to live it is a different thing. Here's something I've never thought about with therapists. 
you bring up your old demons. Is it mm-hmm. hard? Is it harder for you when people call and and tell you things that are really evocative of your own old demons, or is it kind of easier or more motivating because you you have more of a first person perspective on it? It probably depends on how I am feeling, honestly. <laughs> like if it's a time where maybe I'm struggling more with it in my personal life, it might be hard, harder. Whereas if it's a time where maybe I feel like I'm doing a bit better, then maybe, you know, it's a little bit easier for me to say, oh, yeah, I can kind of understand what that's like. Um, but then on the other hand, too, I don't want to assume that what works for me is going to work for somebody else either so it's like this inner dance of separating out you know my own stuff having my empathy and compassion and knowing what it's like to be somebody who's been in a certain situation um while also trying to think about well could there be other things that help this person that maybe weren't what i needed but they aren't me so it, it takes a lot of mental energy. <laughs> and I don't even know if that makes sense, saying it, it out loud. <laughs> it does. You watch the uh, Schitt's Creek? You've been watching Schitt's Creek? <laughs> yes, I love that show. Is there a better show for getting over a bad day than Schitt's Creek? I that's, It was one of the highlights of <laughs> getting over bad days for me is that one. And what did I also watch? I always will watch The Office. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and what was a good feel-good one? Oh, we loved this year. Um, Ted Lasso was really good when you needed I've, like that emotional boost. I've been hearing it's awesome. And, and Jason Sudeikis, I've known him for years. And he is he has always been a person who has just treated me with kindness and has a couple times gone really above and beyond to help me in a way that like we've always liked each other in the times we've met, but like we weren't close enough. Like he reached out to the woman who became my first agent and was like, you need to know about this guy. And Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. And he's like genuinely a good guy. Yeah. We knew each other and, and I think enjoyed each other. We'd had done some shows together, but we were not close to the point where he, needed to like, and he was on SNL at the time. Like that was a big deal. I got that recommendation. Sudeikis has done really uh, right by me in a way that was, was uh, really above and beyond what I deserved from him at the time. And and yeah, great dude. I got, got to check out that show. Cause I haven't, I don't, I, that's Apple plus, which I don't have, but yeah, you want to hear a secret is because when I'm in the screen actors guild, they send you copies of stuff before the SAG awards in case you want to vote. So I got the DVDs. Oh, nice. Got to get a DVD <laughs> player now. I don't think I have a DVD player anymore. Yeah. Who does? I just want a link next time, baby. Let's fix that up. Ted Lasso, <laughs> Shit's Creek, the office. It's tough mm-hmm. for me to watch the office because I was on two episodes, which makes it feel very weird. Um, yeah, I could see that being weird. The but last thing I want to do I is look at so. what I look like. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is know what I look like. No, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. thanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about the really heavy stuff. We'll chit-chat about poop. We'll chit-chat about TV. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. 
It would be great. All in a good day. Yep. You've got to have balance. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed you do. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. you got the three-year-old. You mentioned, yes. a, you mentioned a husband, I believe. Mm-hmm. Are you both working from home? Yes, for the most part. He's home 90% of the time probably for his work now. Is that I'm finding I'm finding in my case that it's like ten percent of the time feels like we're a little on top of each other, but ninety percent uh-huh. of the time I'm like, oh my god, we get to eat dinner all together every single night. That's amazing. How are uh-huh. you feeling about this? How are you feeling about this? Everybody's at home all the time situation. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> we're actually currently finishing our basement, so we have some more room. So uh-huh. that tells me a lot. That okay. tells me a lot. Yeah. It's okay. The hard part is both of us for our jobs have a lot of like stuff. So that takes up a lot of room. And then, I mean, I feel like as my daughter gets older, her stuff takes up more and more room. So we're kind of on top of each other. Um, luckily her preschool is open now. So there was a time last year where her her school was not open at all. And it was all of us all day, every day. And that was really hard. Um, because it's tough. Like if I come out on a break and she just wants to be with me and then I have to like rip myself away and go back to work. It's not always the easiest thing. Um, or she'll come and knock on the door, <laughs> which is cute, but also challenging sometimes when you're trying to be present with somebody on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially that's so, your line of work. Yeah. So, it, it, well, and there are things that, like, probably I talk about that aren't really good for her to listen to you. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I try to keep the door locked and my white noise playing all the time, but... Yeah, it, but there are benefits. Like, I, I like that we can have lunch together if it works out that way or have dinner together if it works out that way. So mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. Does your husband do something intense as well? Or I'm sitting here going, I hope he's like maybe like a birthday party clown or you know, <laughs> something like something really lighthearted to balance it out. <laughs> Well, he, he doesn't work in like healthcare or mental health or anything like that. He works more in um, media and TV, but he's not a clown. <laughs> that would be interesting. Oh, so he and I inhabit the same corner of the universe. Sort of. More, he's more behind the scenes, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a little different, but it, I think that's probably a good thing because I it would be way too much if we did the same kind of work. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I hope you're really proud. I know that sometimes that's hard to like allow yourself, but I hope that you hear me saying it of like, we've been joking a lot and then diving in, but you know, you you said something at the top of the call that really rang out to me, which is, you know, some version of like, it is heartbreaking when people actually reach out for help and, and they don't click with the person. And Mm -hmm. to hear that you really have that at the top of your mind, I know from that experience that when you actually take that leap and ask for help, and then you feel sort of shunned or you feel like it didn't connect and you maybe Mm -hmm. feel exposed for doing it, 
it leads to this intense feeling of loneliness. And I've been realizing more and more, I've been thinking about this a lot the past year, which is like, I hate this analogy because it's very dark and it's probably using phraseology Uh that I shouldn't use in terms of the subject, but I almost feel like depression is awful, but depression's Uh kind of the gun and it's the loneliness that's the bullet. It's when it gets mm. when mm-hmm. it gets lonely, when it makes when you feel like you're completely alone in it, that's when yeah. the depression to me actually becomes, you know, a, a, a board, a, you know, that's when it can turn lethal in my opinion. I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about, but it's that loneliness. Yep. Yeah. And when people take that chance and like call a stranger and take a risk, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Um and I would hate for somebody to feel like rejected when they're asking for help or anything like that. Um, I mean, I know it's a little, well, it's not completely different, but even like the interview coming out with Meghan Markle is absolutely heartbreaking to hear that she asked for help when she was having suicidal thoughts and, and how that was handled, at least her report of it. It's absolutely awful to hear things like that. So, yeah. I think it's the people, at least my colleagues that I know, and what I try to do is just be open and not let anyone feel like they're being pushed away. It's hard. It's sad. Yeah. It's I really. There were, and it can shut you down and it can make people not ever want to seek help again. And I get, I, I had two mm-hmm. incidents. One time in college, I, I told a friend of mine, we we were we used to get comic books together. We were driving home from the comic store. I said, "Hey, I think something's really wrong. I, I think I'm." And he was like, "Uh, we'll feel better, man." And he was another kid, so I don't blame him. But then I remember once mm-hmm. reaching out to uh, I, I I remained close with my RA from my freshman year. At Rutgers, we called them preceptors. But my sophomore year, it was getting really bad. I reached out to her. I was chatting with her on the internet. I was too scared to do it, you know, on the phone or face to face. And I, I remember literally saying to her, I kind of feel like at this point, I hear my thoughts in my head more than I think them. Which mm-hmm. at the age of 40, I even think back now and go, oh, I was, I was like 19 mm-hmm. years old. That's a, what a scary sentence to say. I hear my thoughts. I feel like I'm yeah. listening to another person say my thoughts in my head rather than actually thinking. And she was like, yeah, you know, good luck and this and that. And mm. I just realized, oh man, back then, 20 years ago, they were having people, they were having, and to be fair, I was 19, she was probably 21, but I'm like, they were putting people in charge of like dorms full of kids and yeah. not training them, not training them, not training yeah. them on who to even point to. Oh my God, I felt so lonely. Oh my yeah. God, I felt so lonely. And you sound like a person who prioritizes making sure that does not happen to people. Yeah. I'll try. (laughs) I hope. We could only do the best we can, but yeah, I I just want people to know that there's always places to call. And I I think you talk about that a lot too, that there, there are resources out there. There are people who are willing to listen and, you know, if you've gotten a bad experience, I, I know it's hard to try again, but to please try again. Yeah, always, always. And then I got to just say, I just want to reiterate again, because you're being selfless yet again. So I want to be, 
I want to make sure you hear this. It's like, there's probably so many people, you've done this job for three years. There's so many people who you're just a voice on a phone who got them through a bad night or a bad hour, you know, or, or got them through a bad stretch of life longer than that by pointing them towards, you know, taking another step. And there's so many people like you out there who are, the voice on the phone or the, you know, the nurse who you interact with mm-hmm. on your way into a facility who come and go through part of this process. And uh, I just want you to know that you clearly, even, even the answers to everything you tend to turn selfless, but I, I just want you to hear that, that you're, you're badass and that, that, <laughs> that, well, and that whole system doesn't function without you. You're, you're the front line. You're the front line of, people's worst moments and uh you deserve a lot of thanks and it's very heroic and i do not i'm not saying that hyperbolically i really mean it oh, I, I appreciate you saying that and i am not good at accepting things like that so i have noticed <laughs> i've noticed this yeah <laughs> yeah but thank you because yeah. it's true it must be weird for you to think about too right like and I don't know, I don't know the actual logistics of your job, but just from what you've told me, it sounds like you might encourage somebody to go see a doctor. And like, I've seen my doctor for 14 years mm-hmm. and you might create a relationship where someone winds up safe long-term and has this close relationship with someone else. And they never knew what you looked like. They never mm-hmm. knew, they wouldn't know you if they passed you in the supermarket. And you're like this, yeah. th- this silent part of the process ultimately. I don't want to say silent, more more as like you're the springboard into a process. And I bet that sometimes that gets forgotten, that first wave of people. Yeah, yeah, it could. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, especially when people are just really, like I talk to them one time and help them get where they need to be. If that's a hospital or a detox or, you know, a counselor or something, yeah. Um. I think that the cool thing is we do sometimes hear back from people and, and I like awesome. hearing back from people who, who will call back and say, Hey, just wanted to let you know I'm doing okay. Or, you know, just giving that update because it, it oh, was that's weird awesome. switching. Yeah. It, and it was weird switching from doing more of like the ongoing work to this type of role and not really knowing what happens to somebody. Um, but it is nice to hear for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That must go a real mm-hmm. long way. It does. It really does. It really does. Especially on the really hard days. What do you eat at the end of the really hard days? What do I eat? I would go home and be like, get me pie right now. I do that sometimes <laughs> after these calls on this show. I'm like, give me ice cream. That was yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That yes, and I had to actually try to do a little bit better because sometimes I just am done and I'm tired and I don't want to cook anything, and so it's it'll be like Domino's or yes. some kind of sandwich, buffalo chicken wrap, something I don't know, but yeah, 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 cookies, yeah. ice cream. Yeah, you turn to your husband. You're like, I had three really tough ones all in a row. I will not be cooking. You go get mm-hmm. Papa John's and you get extra melty garlic butter sauce. 
and let's yeah. pick up the pace. <laughs> let's make this happen quickly, please. Thank you. <laughs> and then your daughter yeah. poop across the room and everything comes crashing yep. down. And refuses to eat anything and yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> the underwear worst. Under her head and <laughs> you just reminded me of something. You just reminded me of something and you're going to empathize so much with this. So my wife, uh, yesterday, I arranged my whole day, really hustled hard all day Tuesday so my wife could go into the city and visit a friend because we all got to look out for each other, allow those things to happen these days. So I'm home with the boy. I go, okay, I'm cooking lunch today. I'm going to cook some junky stuff. I'm going to cook his favorite thing that he asks for 85 times in a row. Do you remember what it is? <laughs> mac, mac cheese, mac cheese, mac cheese. And I'll give you one guess how he reacted. Did he throw it? He looked right at me. I put it in front of him with this grin on my face. And he looks at me and goes, no mac cheese. No mac cheese. <laughs> he didn't eat a bite. Of course. Of course. <laughs> he didn't eat a bite. No mac cheese. No mac cheese. I'm like, you are kidding right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, my I God. Mean, we have nights where she'll, we make exactly what she asks. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> yep. And then, no, I don't like it. Or she, she'll make a noise like, like a gagging noise. <laughs> yeah. He learned the word yucky you recently. Eat this every day. <laughs> he learned the word yucky yeah. recently and he says it in a way that's so, so condescending. Yucky. Uh-huh. Yucky. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Right. Like when the gagging, it'll sound like, like I'm trying to feed her like dirty dishwater or something. Like, yeah. Like gag. Yeah. Like I went, <laughs> yeah. Like I, scooped, like I scooped <laughs> this out of the gutter and dumped it into a bowl. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> when it's like. I know. Oh, really? Those are the freeze-dried mangoes that you eat every day obsessively. Why are you acting like I'm trying yeah. to feed you vomit? What is this? Yes. You ate four of these yesterday. <laughs> four? And bothered me for mm-hmm. more. I know. I every day is something new. <laughs> I love it so much. We've got 15 seconds left. I just really deeply want to thank you again. Um, on behalf of the people like me who who have had to make the calls, thank you for being the one who takes the calls. Oh, thank you. And thank you for talking to me. Uh, I don't get to talk about myself, so I appreciate it. I'm really glad, and I hope we took enough time to just get a couple laughs in there too, because I feel like that's the yeah. thing I can offer you. <laughs> Yeah, and I hope I'm not just remembered as the caller that's always covered in poop. (laughs) (laughs) But if I am, hey. (laughs) Oh, what a good way to end. (laughs) Thank you. Caller, sincerely, once again, uh, thank you. I know this is about the fifth time I thanked you, but you pick up the phone for people. It's a thing that, that um, you know, people don't expect someone to actually pick up the phone, and you do. Thank you for it. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Jared O'Connell, as well as Marcus Hom. Thank you to Shell Shag. If you want to know more about me when I'm going out on the road, it's starting to happen, chriscats.com. Hey, wherever you listen, whether that's uh, Spotify, whether that's Stitcher, or Sirius, wherever it is, there's some version of a button that says follow or favorite. Click that button. It really helps the show when you do 
And our whole back catalog is up at stitcherpremium.com slash stories without ads. If you want to remove those pesky ads from your life, stitcherpremium.com slash stories. Thanks for listening.